Welcome to Tech at Lunch, the podcast that satisfies your hunger for all things tech while you enjoy your midday meal. So grab your sandwich, tune in, and let's dig in. Hello, Nick. Hey, I'm John. And, you know, this week we don't have Ed with us. Um, you know, he's, he's been here the last couple weeks, but he had a, a you know, family event that uh, mm-hmm. was a little bit more important, which, you know, understand that. So that's how it goes. You don't get those a second time, so I mean, I no, not usually. I mean, some of those events usually only happen once. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, if they happen twice, then I'd be kind of worried if it's reincarnation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, it doesn't have anything to do with that. Just think he's dealing with kids. Yeah. So, yeah. chaos, chaos, <laughs> yeah, the chaos theory. Um, so you know, we've kind of talked about and been on the 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 rant. For uh, preventative maintenance, mm. and we've kind of talked about, you know, everything that leads up to it. We've also hit on, you know, documentation management. So, um, you know, this week we kind of want to look at like an overview, you know, and also, you know, breakdowns versus uptime and stuff like that, and kind of see, you know, where that goes inside the mm-hmm. inside the world, the realm of, uh, you know preventive maintenance because the thing is is every breakdown comes with a need you know yeah i think i think we've gone over pretty much uh um, a lot of what preventive maintenance already is corrective maintenance Mm -hmm. you know predictive maintenance we even gotten into that a little bit so it's it's something where um you need to it needs to happen and honestly it takes a lot of different forms so whatever that means to you technical we did we covered that you know uh, or sorry, mechanical. I mean, I mm-hmm. meant to say, or or IT and then software side. We covered a lot of those things, but um, I think a lot of what we talked about was is just mostly like, hey, this is what good looks like. This is what you should model, kind of your your uh, preventative maintenance around your schedules, your checklists, those things. Um, but we also we also didn't really go too deep on what happens in a breakdown we talked about safety measures you know we talked about like you want to make sure you're maybe setting the light curtain up right or lock out tag out things like that Mm -hmm. because those are very huge maintenance topics if you if you're not locking out and tagging out something that might kill somebody i think at the end of the day we we didn't bring those more gruesome things up okay we didn't want to like focus on them but a breakdown is still a breakdown even if it's a small pin like right. a or a weld a weld bit breaks or something mm-hmm. like that um so uh, like that's i kind of wanted to focus on some of those things because we we oftentimes are just trying to make it perfect and it's never a perfect world no no never. you can never afford all the things like right especially if you're talking to your project leader who's on a budget and you're like yeah no i can't have 16 robots on one plc that's too much <laughs> like, right. or supporting uh, a company well, that's on a budget and they don't know what they want. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, uh, well, you might need a little bit more, more than that, or, or or they don't have enough power to support these things. It's like it's not it's like not being able to answer fundamental construction, fundamental facilities, like infrastructure questions. Yeah. So when those things break down, it it, it triples your cost. Right. And the thing is, is you know, most of the time when a breakdown happens, it's not because something was fundamentally wrong at that point in time. Um, yeah. Technically, something was fundamentally right at that point in time. It just decided it didn't want to be together anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Rapid disassembly. Right. Better known as a road. Um, you know, rapid unscheduled disassembly. But, you know, and the thing is, is that can happen to anything. You know, if we're talking on the additive manufacturing side of the house, if a nozzle decides it doesn't want to be part of a printer anymore, yeah. um, and pretty much just disassociates itself from the printer, says, I don't want to be here anymore, I don't want to do this, then, yeah, you have a problem. You know, you can blow a fitting. You can blow a connector if you're using, um, what is it? The, it's not... How um uh, it's not how bamboo does it. It's a couple other ones. They used a cartridge um um right. uh, um nozzles, and you know those cartridge nozzles have sensors on them that kind of tell you what nozzle you have in play. Hmm. You know, is it a high temp nozzle, a low temp nozzle? Yeah, you know, that's, that's that's pretty good to be able to read that. I um, mean, but the, the thing is, if that goes wrong, yeah, you have a breakdown. Now I have high temp filament going through a low temp nozzle. Yeah. That low temp nozzle can't take that anymore. And next thing you know, and I have a metal goo at the bottom of my printer. If it, if it even goes through. If it even goes through, where right. you know clogs and breaks everything behind it. I think you you kind of reminded me of a bit of a repressed memory, to be honest with you. <laughs> so I've had some, not necessarily the nozzle, remove itself from the hot mm-hmm. end, but. Um, I've had the, um, the pleasure of having the, like, there's a blockhead attachment, so mm-hmm. it's a parts cooling fan, just attaches, has a little vent kind of aimed at a certain direction just to kind of maximize, um, the kind of the force and, and the cooling at a certain point, a little bit after you print right. to make sure it solidifies almost instantly, right? Well, if you don't have layer adhesion or if there is an obstacle or obstruction that isn't measured by a light curtain or seen by some type of machine learning or AI or blah, 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 yeah. an obstacle in the path, it it popped the entire fan off the front and kept printing, by the way, because the file doesn't say stop if this, yeah, stop if you if this happens. Yeah, right? right? It just sends fan on and that's it and it's like okay i don't I'm not gonna verify that the fan's on mm-hmm. i just turned it on that's it so what ends up what ended up happening is, is i came home and the fan was on the floor and there was a ball like a literal like almost the size of my fist of filament i didn't see my hot end anymore it was covering half of the the, the nozzle i'm surprised that it didn't go onto the the frame of the hot end and then the gantry itself because that's how much it was a long print. I, I've had mine uh, bypass the heater block, heat up, melt, bypass the heater block, and spray all down the nozzle. Yeah. Um, so, you know, sometimes the the you know, stuff doesn't want to work. You know, and the thing is, it's you know coming from a you know material production background, we've also seen it where robot have too long of reach and take out a fire suppression system. Um. Oh man! And then it's then it's showering inside your shop. You know we get it; people get hot. But um, don't enough. let your robot take out your fire extinguisher. Um, no, no, that's not good. That's a good idea. Um, <laughs> so some of y'all that are running the heavier and ABB Kuka um, uh, uh, Mitsubishi robots, you know the heavy end robots. I don't think a lot of people are these are running them right now, but some definitely are. Um, Running those on your print on your print ends. Remember, you're dealing with a three thousand pound robot and a hot end. Mm-hmm. But 
the thing is, is breakdowns on bigger pieces of machinery tend to be more catastrophic. Yeah. Um, and the one thing, like what I've seen, for example, and this is something that you need to think about because, especially if you're running those bigger printers, you're usually running a pellet extruder. Yeah. So you have force-fed pellets by PLC or vacuum or PLC control vacuum system yeah, yeah, yeah. down to the nozzle, and then the printer takes care of, then the robot takes care of the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have heat at the end of that nozzle. You have to. It's that's how extrusion works. Um, but the thing is, is I've had instances of where I've had well robots which are built on the same premise that have removed their um, um, print, not print, but their coolant lines mm. from the head mm. and sprayed coolant water Oof. everywhere. By the mm. way, it stinks. Um, and I've also seen it where they have removed their air lines. Yeah. These robots require air. You also require, mm. you know, three-phase power. Mm-hmm. So, and most of the time, they also require mm-hmm. hydraulic fluid. I was going to say, it's pneumatic or so, hydraulic. Yeah, because they're, they're working off of pressure systems. Like, right. And, and if you, like, this is this is where especially... Lumber King is fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, uh, the if you don't understand that a system wants to go to the low pressure, it'll, it'll gravitate from high to low, and as soon as you open that hose or break break a hose or put a hole in it you created a low pressure area which everything will now want to go to uh like that's that right there you you got a you got a pretty expensive problem right and and you're probably gonna have to like if you don't recognize it's the hose and you buy a whole new robot you made i mean that made your problem that much more expensive right like and if you don't realize that because you didn't have a preventive maintenance like by the way Brand new things break too. Oh yeah, all the Believe time. Me. So you could put a whole brand new hose on there, and it could still break. Right. But it'll probably break a different way, and then you can kind of continue the troubleshooting. But you fixed yeah. a problem. And usually, when the new things break, it's because there was a manufacturing defect. Yeah, yeah. Not not a not a full blown use defect. Yeah. However, there still could be one. Um, things could be routed wrong. You can start breaking hoses, uh, you know, bearings. Yeah. You could do everything right, and it still doesn't work. I mean, it right. it happens. You just can't be you can't be upset. But at the end of the day, the whole reason that we have the series is is limiting downtime. Right. And the thing is, is also you know when you're assembling your equipment, and this go and this we're gonna take a step back real quick. When you're assembling your equipment, be that a 3D printer, mm. be that a automation cell, mm-hmm. be that one of the same. Um, don't heat man on the bolts. <laughs> um, because... I don't think I've heard it put that way before. Right. He who heat mans on bolts <laughs> takes forever to remove them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just, like, it's the same thing with code. Is like, write the code with the the thought in your mind about the person that has to go comb through it when it breaks later and if you don't make comments then you will have to rewrite this whole code again if it's you and same thing with the bolts like don't don't be the guy that bolts on his oil on his uh, oil filter on his on his car or, or vehicle or whatever don't be that person because the person that has to change the oil after you is gonna have to get a whole nother tool unbolted or whatever. It hand tight. Like there's a reason these things mm-hmm. like gaskets and stuff seal better 
when you have a seal that is gradually applied as opposed to just maxed out as soon as you can. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, if you're doing that, you're you're you ruin the integrity of of that rubber or material that you're doing that and that applies not only to mechanical systems right it's everything everything. right there's there is a such thing as overdoing it right Right. so don't be afraid to use hand tools yeah um now don't don't go to a job and think hey guess what i can do all this i've got a socket set and an impact not everything has to be set in concrete don't impact everything. <laughs> so, you know, that that's the thing. I've seen that. I, I've seen the reason things break yeah. is, like you said, they're over tight. Yeah. It's over torque. There's too you know, much. It's, it's like, what happens if you over over torque a hot end? <laughs> well, you melt it. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, more things can go wrong the faster they go. Well, I think it boils down to, like, everything has a, has a chemical chemical like um, reactions when they're heating and, and they react the temperature differently and, and you know, some scientists and some some chemists, much much smarter than I am, have tested this robustly. And, and and these engineers, in order for these things to be sold, must have presented some of these tests mm-hmm. and, and proof of concept. So at the end of the day, yeah, you should you should take the specs and you should le- like kind of you tailor them or, or um, what what do we we were calling it something the other day like your tapering, mm-hmm. uh, you're tapering it to uh, the true norm or the true the true like corrective point and honestly if you if you I would rather r- waste a quarter of a nozzle right than wait for a catastrophic fail of a nozzle right I can right? do that like I would rather replace it like I do you one better I would rather replace a nozzle after every print than then wait until the end and have a catastrophic fail. It's like a tip change. Yeah. So like yeah, it, it would take me ten fifteen minutes each time because I would have to put it on there, relevel, whatever. Fifteen minutes each print. I have a. I I know for a fact every time I go to my printer, fifteen minutes I got another print started. If I don't do this and I let it fail, there could be a moment where I don't have enough time and I have like maybe jobs com- like mm. piling up. Your your hole is getting dug by itself. But you if that's know? part of your team member PM to change your nozzle yeah. at the start of every shift, relevel, yeah. or do an automatic relevel yeah. after after a tip change, off it goes. Because uh-huh. if you talk about like welding robots, for example, we change I think it's every thousand cycles, every or every shift, every every three shifts, we do a um, tip change or tip mm. dress. We make sure the tips are filed down, and usually, usually every three hundred or so cycles, we replace the tips. It's an automatic tip change. Wow. Um, so we eject them off the robot, put new ones on. It shaves them down, makes them permanent, and off they go. You can do that with a with a with a with a, with a nozzle. Yeah. However, at that le- at the level of a, like a print farm, it's the team member PM. Yeah. So I would yeah. add that to your team member PM to prevent that from happening. Yeah, and that's a quick. And that's quick. You know, also, when you guys are dealing with these printers, like we talked about safety. Safety is a big, big ticket item. Um, turn the power off. Yeah, it doesn't need to always stay. You know, well, I mean, I mean, turn the power off if you're repairing it. If it oh, is something that deals with electrical current. Dear God, whatnot, please. Turn your power off. <laughs> I don't care if it's a low voltage. Dear God, please. Well, the thing is, you talk, you're talking about, like, the robot printers. Yeah. You're talking about free phase. Free yeah. phase, big boom, boom factor. Yeah. You start talking about Vorons. Vorons are running... 
Well, no, know, yeah, I'm just saying bone. these smaller ones, like you oh, have yeah. a whole power supply for them, but you, but oh yeah, not, the power supply discharger, you're screwed. Yeah, and you ruin your entire circuit circuit board, so you just right. effectively brick a whole printer, like right. it's. And you have to rebuild it. Yeah, and it, and it, I mean, twice the price. You just doubled your cost right there. Right. Without producing anything. Exactly. <laughs> so so yeah. Safety, safety, safety. Right, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you want that worker to be safe. If if the, if it's not in an automation area, I mean, we right. we talk about OSHA approved all the time, but it's it's there's a reason these things happen. OSHA had to approve them because somebody didn't at mm-hmm. one point, and something happened like a breakdown. So like we 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 didn't kind of go deep onto what what those consequences might be, but like they range from in, anywhere from a loss of you know just like a minute of downtime or. Uh, an, an inconvenience to like you know uh, a couple some, days. or someone's life even right. like it's it's crazy um i mean especially if you're working in a place that's like elevated like a top of a paint shop for instance or something mm-hmm. like that like y- you don't want anything to be at risk because this this carrier s- dripped too much wax and now i slipped slipped off a second story and and that's right that's not good for anybody involved. And the thing is, it's like, you know, if you're running a print farm, you know, a catastrophic failure can be a loss of one printer mm-hmm. if you only have a couple. Or a catastrophic loss can be a loss of more than one printer if you don't have parts to repair. Yeah. And now you're down. Point of return almost, you pass. Right. Yeah. If you have five printers and you're down two, you're already in a degraded state. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have one that's kind of your, hey, I'm going to beat you up printer to test all my stuff on, yeah, you can maybe move that one into, into circulation real quick while you fix the other one. Yeah. But the thing is, is realize what are your loss numbers. You know, how much downtime can you possibly take if an event happens because you don't want to do maintenance? Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't, if you say, I can only do maintenance once a month, okay, now if I have a downtime every other week, how many jobs, how many print jobs does that cost me? Yeah. How much profit does that cost me? Because now I have to worry about paying my time, my people's time, and my and everybody else's time, and I'm possibly not going to have to give a refund for that customer who's going to get their print late because you don't want to do maintenance on a, daily, on, on a weekly Man. basis. And that's, I mean, it ends up being, like, those things add up, and we talk, I mean, you, uh, you make a mountain out of those little small things, uh, and, and if you Not constantly if you constantly have to um, step back and, and wonder why a quality point is missed, then you're, you're either not reviewing or you're, you're not doing your preventative. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're, you're not reflecting after when an incident happens to do some corrective action or corrective maintenance right. you're not um you're not doing any sort of prediction or expectation off of any manufacturer specs and you're just preparing yourself for failure i right. mean but at the end of the day if you do your team member checks you have your checklist that you know maybe your group leaders do or 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 team leads and things like that and then you audit those on a regular basis on a regular schedule then, I mean, in my eyes, I think that you negate a lot of the risk that comes with breakdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that solves your entire preventive maintenance problem. 
Oh yeah, there's definitely no fixing that. Yeah, there's it's it's a it's like things yeah, will happen. You're never gonna you're never gonna find the end to that. There's always gonna be something that needs you know to be fixed. Something, especially in production, um, there's always something because like every single time you print, um, like if you have an ar- uh, abrasive filament coming through the, the nozzle or powder or whatever, mm-hmm. then you're slowly eating away at that nozzle. And even if it's a hardened steel or even if it's a titanium, it's not. Um, there's a reason that it's made, the nozzle's made out of it, and you're not trying to make, like, use a CNC machine to, to remove more of that material off, because, like, at, at a certain point, that thing, you, you, the metals are abrasive to each other, they eat each other away, it's just how it right. happens, and they react as well with other chemicals, like, or other, other things like air, oxygen, water, mm-hmm. uh, uh, all, everything like that, they react a different way, and those things cause, um, different, um, chemicals like uh, gases, right? Th- things you don't want to inhale. Like there's a lot of things that could happen, especially like what you said earlier, where you have a hydraulic pump or a cooling. Maybe maybe it's a cooling pump. Like if you have a hot end that has, um, we we looked at these before. They have uh, water. Um, oh, the water cooled hot. Water cooled yeah. hot ends. Yeah. So what 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 happens if you run that hot end without any coolant or mm. water in that? That, that you know that radiator yeah. right so what ends up happening is, is that yeah no it'll at a certain point it's going to catch on fire because that temperature doesn't have anything to 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 um control it to fluctuate to compensate like uh, to bring it back down past right. where, where the point of no return when you're running at 500 c yeah 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 and, and there's a reason no why in the film or in the in the firmware you need to be very sure of what what uh, hot end you've installed because you type especially if you're using Clipper you type in that CFG file what the max parameters are and if you don't put restrictions we've talked about this before if you don't put restrictions it's gonna break itself yeah because it doesn't know it doesn't know if you tell something all right recursive but you don't tell it where to stop it's never gonna stop right If you put a tag T someplace, it's gonna keep going. Yeah, so yeah, it's just like, all right, I'll tell you, I'll stop when you tell me to, and that's it. Right. And if you don't know to tell it, then you've just created an infinite loop. Right. And the thing is, is also if you take all your stuff that you're doing, your PM response, you know, throw it into a machine and have machine learning look at it, you know, to kind of tell you what it sees, gives you a graph of, ooh, this ain't good, you know, or okay, cool, we're on the right path here. You know, if you know what your deviation is, and you put your deviation into a freaking, you know, an exp- in, a sp- in a spreadsheet, you're going to get the standard deviation of the deal. Yeah. But the thing is, is you'll be able to tell, okay, cool, I'm starting to deviate here. I can see my trend line. You know, don't be afraid to make trend lines. You know, the greatest way to find out something's failing is a trend line. Yeah, you see, I mean, at first it may feel like outliers because it might be way off of expected data. but. Right. Like, we, we talked about it when we were uh, documenting some bugs the other day. Is like, you, you, there's always the actual result and expect a result. And if you can replicate the actual result and it is not what you expect it to be, yeah. then you've got a problem consistently. Or, fundamentally, you need to think about what your issue or what the main goal or, or uh, what that executable or whatever your mm-hmm. topic does, right? So... Yeah, I mean, without any maintenance, without any reflection, without any like review of of those processes, and I'm and albeit checklists is pretty easy to do, yeah. because you don't have to, like, if I give you, if you're a team member, you just got hired onto my team, and I just want you to run through a lot of these things. I can give you the team member checklist, 
and and those are geared so that you can do them easily and quickly because we don't want you to bog we don't want those to be bogged down with heavy processes right right because we want you to be available if anything else like a catastrophic fail were to happen mm-hmm. you want to be ready you don't want to have everybody doing these little baby pms here and there like hey yeah. listen i gotta go grease these uh i gotta grease these hinges i can't i can't work on your broken filling station <laughs> uh, like that's not gonna be what the ceo yeah, would like to hear you know? every shift do your tpm and that's it yep and you know the thing is is i think also you know if somebody came and you know worked for me in my own company first thing you're gonna get is freaking lockout tagout training you know, we're going to walk through that process first. How do I lock out a machine? How do I turn a machine off to make sure that, you know, everything is, you know, there? Then I'll give you your TPM and tell you to go for it. You know, mm-hmm. show you how to execute that TPM first. Make sure you sign off saying you understand what you're doing. And then you go and do your TPM on the machine that you're assigned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every single team member should be lockout, tagout trained. Um, because of the fact that if something does happen, they can kill the machine quickly. Yeah. You know, that don't don't put a safety mechanism in place that or a quality system in place that it hinders safety. And the same thing goes for printers. It's not just for robots or anything like that. Is you know, make sure that you don't have a quality system in place that is too stringent that takes the safety mechanism out of it. Um, you know, we understand that you know, breakages do happen. Don't engineer a quality system to prevent those breakages from happening. So mm-hmm. the thing is, is once they do fail, then you won't have anything going for it. If you don't have an emergency stop button on your printer, you know, or you your should. firmware, and the clipper gives that to you up on the screen, is and you don't have any way of stopping the machine, then guess what? You've now just engineered out a safety loop. Mm-hmm. You know, your safety loop is pulling the power. I'm going to tell you one thing. Things don't go very well when you pull power. If you can't hit the emergency stop, send the damn thing back to zero, clear everything home out, yeah. home it, you know, lock out, tag out. The thing is, is when you build out your, your print centers, you know, have all your power connected back to a bus bar. That bus bar is on a lock out, tag out switch. As soon mm-hmm. as you pop that switch, you lock, put a lock on it, it fills with power to everything. Yeah. You know, especially if you're going to cell base. If you're cell basing your printers, for example, if you have, you know, two bamboo labs in this in this, in this one, two enders in this one, two something in this one, or two something in this one, and they're printing different parts, I want to be able to lock out tag at each one of those cells, and if I enter that cell, I want it to kill the power if need to be. Yeah, stations. I mean, it's it's something it's something that everyone should be doing, and if you're not sectionizing and or make, creating these stations and these cells, like there's one one thing that we've we've brought up before is a test cell or an automation cell on its own Mm -hmm. like i would say like i think it's imperative that if if you're because you're going to constantly do upgrades or changes you might introduce new robots or new printers into your production farm or, Mm -hmm. or whatever the case is but there's going to be planned probably outages that you're looking at and hopefully if you do your pms and schedule things correctly and set yourself up you can get ahead of these things and plan for the the, the introduction of those new printers. Yeah, plan the and, downtime in. And either either plan the downtime in or test in your automation cell on the side if you're yep. introducing a new feature or a new or a new extruder if you're going to test everything. Yeah, so pre-test here and then bring it over like if it needs to get tested at a certain place, like you make sure you have all the settings exactly as production is going to have them mm-hmm. because that is exactly where it's going to be for the rest of its life. Yeah. So 
you, you should have a test cell. You yeah. should have a don't don't be yeah. afraid to buy two of everything. Yeah, or don't, three of everything. Because I mean, at the end of the day, you'll set the first one up, and like I mean, this is a bad example. <laughs> Maybe sorry for anyone who's a second child. Um, this, but a lot of the parents say that they had an easier time with a second child, not just since, not just parenting just in general, but like you're, you've got a routine. Yeah. Less shopping's everything's fast now. Yeah. Now. Yeah, exactly. So now, now, I mean, I wore a lot of the, a lot of my older brother's shirts, so I understand. (laughs) So, uh, but no, that's, that's the thing is it's, you've been through it once now it makes sense and it's easier. Mm -hmm. Like if it's the first time, expect more failures. Right. But the next year, you bet. Like if I had a hundred and one times where my down, my line was stopped last year, next year I better have at the maximum one hundred. Right. I better be below hundred and one. I better not match that same thing because then we can say we improved, even if that's minimal. You know, we still need to work towards that. Be an engineer. Yeah. Um. The big thing is if you want to run a print farm or be in the additive manufacturing space, is be an engineer. Mm-hmm. You know, understand that things do fail. Things do cause problems. Um, don't get distracted from what you're trying to do. Um, there's more times that I've read, you know, especially during this doctor, you read everything, mm. um, that there's more people that fail at additive manufacturing than they do succeed. Believe me. Because they get into it, well, they get the first breakdown, like, oh, I'm never going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, and their their part doesn't come out correctly because they didn't have the right parameter set. Um, they didn't bother to ask for help when they needed it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the thing is, is I'm going to tell you, that the, the manufacturers are there to support you. We saw that at Rapid. Yeah, they want, I mean. They want questions. They, they, want, you, they want help. They yeah. want to give help. And, you know, if it comes down to it, attend the show and walk in there and say, hey, guess what? I'm having major downtime with your equipment. Yeah. And this is what it's doing. You know, if you're one of those people who, you know, likes to have one-on-one conversations with them, use that time to do it. You know, they have their engineers there. They have their people there that will support you. Um, You know, and if it's like, hey, I've tried to send you this many emails and you haven't responded, yeah, well, figure out what the tone of your email. Yeah. I mean, there also has to be a certain point that maybe, maybe it's best that you move on as well. Yeah. But that's, that's. I mean, we talked about all the know. forums out there too. Yeah, no, no, no. You or should ask a question. Like th- throwing a question out doesn't mean you'll get a good answer. Yeah. But you'll get an answer. Someone will look yeah. at it, and, and somebody must have had the problem. I know in a lot of cases we are kind of stumbling around in a new a new field. But isn't that what we've been doing? Like when the explorers were were, were kind of looking for new land, they stumbling around too. They had expectations, they had assumptions that they made, and, and some of those, and a lot of them, got changed. Right. Right? So that's 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 the one thing, is like, we're, we're going to assume one thing is one way until we test it. So, yeah, go after it, get after it. Like, that's, I mean, that's also why you should get a test, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> Back break, to it, that. Yeah. Break, break it a few times. No, 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 seriously, that's that's the thing. Like, uh, like all the time, at, at home, mo- I've probably broken it every single time I try to introduce a new feature mm-hmm. or a new let's say a new a new part on the printer I've broken it and I can't tell you how many extra bone tubes I've had to buy because measure twice cut once guys um, I, I can't tell you how many times that I've had to um, throw away a line of filament because I didn't calculate or now I ruined 
the hotter I got heat creep because I didn't do the nozzle uh, change mm-hmm. out right. Like I can't tell you how many times those things happen. So you need to make sure that you're ke- keeping like on top of those things. And yeah. yes, it, it is hard because it's you gotta stay motivated. But at the end of the day, nothing motivates you more than lost money. Exactly. So and you know that's the thing is you know as you see people get you know where they're at stuff like that yeah, you know. You see that when we were at when we were rapid is people they 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 grew from a failure. You have people there who who want to support. You got people like us that want to help grow the industry, you know, and get people out there that want to be part of it. Because it is technically, I guess you can say, the smallest, um, uh, manufacturing subset out there right now. Mm. Um, but it's also the most technology driven. Um, because of what it is, you know, um, aviation is another one, but the thing is, is aviation is, is on the heels of, um, or is, you know, working with the guys from additive. I, I was going to say, I think that aviation is about to have a, a big revolution. And by the way, this is my opinion. I don't want to say that it's anybody in particular's opinion, but like, e- when you are working with like let's say, older versions of planes or things that don't aren't parts that aren't manufactured anymore or you're like, hey, I can make this better but I need to make it with this metal or, or this whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have the means and you can do it, like additive is going to change a lot of, let's say, even just the, the lifespan of some of the older uh, models. Like if something were to be found crashed, you could probably 3D print a lot of the parts based off the specs that were originally for, you know, those models of planes or, yeah. or whatever. So at the end of the day, it's going to be able to, they're going to work together with the aeronautical or, or uh, industry and, and create, you know, rockets they're already doing, uh, parts for spaceships, parts for uh, um, space habitats. Mm-hmm. Like these things are not, not just possible, they're already happening. Right, and we're on the brink of the FAA approving um, additive manufacturing for airplane use. Mm. Um, and, you know, like different connectors and stuff like that. But you got these guys that are using it to make buttons. Like, um, you got some of the guys, you know, like I have friends who have case equipment, you know, as far as back hose and front hose and stuff like that, that they're going to eventually need me to make their, their, their buttons for them for their machinery so they can mm-hmm. keep using it um, so it doesn't sit. But, you know, I say that to mean that, you know, yes, you're going to find trials and tribulations or whatever you're doing. PMs in its own right can kind of keep you out of that mud bog as much as possible. Because more time you put into yourself and your equipment Mm -hmm. to keep it operational and clean and useful and up to date, more time that machine is going to stay running for you before it starts costing you an of money there's only a certain amount that you could take before you realize that the cost is going to stop the rest of production no matter if they work fully right right so there's there is a there's a number and of course there you've got to understand a little bit of business if you're selling a product and blah 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 with you know micro macroeconomics but at the end of the day like I mean, I said it earlier, nothing's going to motivate you more than losing a lot of money. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and if we're talking about going into the future of, like, you know, what what would PMs look like? Of course, preventive maintenance, IoT, Industry 4.0 things, 
are are going to have to become standard not not become the or the extraordinary like where someone put a little bit more money into something right they need to become common they need to become i mean right now the hardest part is of course the materials are made out of if they're smart like you get more and more electronics more and more rare earth metals and things mm-hmm. like that so it does become harder to come by but and nonetheless, that technology is going to be what helps the, the maintenance schedule and creates the predictive, gives you the ability for, you know, AI learn or uh, machine learning for your maintenance and things like that. Yeah. gives the ability for AI to understand what, what it should be looking for or predict what it should be looking for um, in, in a system. But at the end of the day, we, we want to get to the point where we can even automate some, some changes. Like, I'm thinking, I mean, we've talked about this a long time ago, was automating my bed change. Like, that's yep. something so small that yep. we, we talked, that's preventative maintenance, a bed swap. Yep, exactly. Boom, instead of, instead of uh, popping it off and using the same bed, take the whole bed off, replace it with another one, print again like new. Mm-hmm. So I think I saw something one day about that, where it was, I guess it was picking the bed up, sliding it down next to it, load up and lock into place. I think they were were using um, uh, Prusas at the time for that. That, and then there was one where it was uh, other printers, and it was a KUKA robot on AGV that would come up and pick it up and move it and change the beds out and stuff like that. Wasn't, wasn't, not Adidas. No, there was a company with, with, um, I think they might have worked with either Dimension or Evolve or something like that. Guys, yeah. Where, yeah, no, you're right. The Kuka robot, the Kuka, the AGV robot, right? Yeah, AGV with the AGV oh, arm on it now. Oh, gosh. I, you just imagine a little robot, a little skateboard coming up with a little tiny arm, and it picks up the bed, takes the print, and says, I'm going to go over here to, to trim blah, 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 where it's going to be the curing station. That's just that's ridiculous to me, man. That's that's crazy. And the I thing think is, that's, is that I think that's the, the production of the future. That and the thing is, is don't be afraid to get into computer vision. You know, computer vision can save you a lot of time and energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing you can do, honestly, is get a camera that has you know, or a Raspberry Pi that's got lidar in it, um, or a infrared system in it that you can see heat and to make sure that your hot end's heating up how it should be and cooling the way it should be. You know, if you think you have a clog or something like that or something's not flowing correctly, you know, hit it with, you know, an infrared camera and check what the flow's looking like. Yeah. And small things. You know, I'm not saying go out and spend $10,000 on a camera. You can use a Raspberry Pi and do it for less money. I mean, honestly, if, if you if you wanted a proof of concept to see that it's even happening, you can even, you can even pull up the... Like, you can get one of those... Um, um, infrared thro- thermometers that just you shoot the laser out yep, and you can one. even put it at certain points of the print and see watch the temperature change like and if it's doing that very drastically then you've either got cooling problems you've got adhesion problems mm-hmm. you've got layer shifting problems regardless you have a problem right and you know like you know like champ said you know change your beds yeah can tell you that and treat them too you know clean them hit them with some you know, isopropyl alcohol and stuff like that. If there's a way that you can automate that too, that'd be great. Um, you know, where it takes the bed, sprays a little bit of isopropyl alcohol, wipes it or lets it dry, and mm-hmm. slides it back into the bed. You know, there's that. But, you know, I think we've uh, kind of kicked that, you know, brought a lot of stuff to light and, you know, kicked that particular dead horse a little bit. Yeah. But it's not really a dead horse because the thing is, it can help everybody. We said it earlier. It's never going to go away. Yeah, it's never going to stop. You will 
always have to do maintenance, even if it's an automated system. Yeah. You will always have to bring it down, reboot it. Like, I, I mean, there's a reason. A lot of computers, a lot of servers have been on for a very long time, mm -hmm. but there's a reason that redundancies and failovers are created. Yep. Maintenance has to happen. Right. And, you know, I want to, you know, take the time to, to thank, you know, everybody. You know, Snare, looking at our numbers, you know, we've had eight, one, 1,833 all-time downloads. Y'all, that is freaking nuts. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you know, yeah, 16 in the last, you know, certain amount of days, but y'all, we thank you. You know, we couldn't do it without y'all. Um, be on the lookout. You know, there's, there's going to be some more t-shirt designs heading out to Vulcan R3D. Um, we're going to have t-shirts and stuff like that sitting out there, but we're also going to be kind of setting up a whole other process where y'all can actually order um, lithophanes from us. You know, we'll be starting to be doing lithophanes, custom lithophanes for your families and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. you know, printedheritage.com, I think, is what we're going to go with. Um, so, um, you know, if y'all want any of that, let us know. We'll have the links out there for y'all. But we want to say thank you. Every single one of you, you know, like me and Ed said multiple times before, this was all made just so we had a, you know, where we could talk. You know, it all started during a little bit during the pandemic and kind of, you know, spread from there. You know, we had many uh, not doing an episode because somebody had COVID or somebody wasn't feeling well or, or something like that. Somebody just sniffed. Yeah, life happens, man. Right. But the thing is, is y'all stuck with us to thick and thin. You know, we appreciate that. Um, you know, I wish we could thank every single one of you in person. Hopefully one day we can, you know, have a little bit of get together, pick one central place globally. Um, or multiple places globally that we can go to, you know, have a sit down and, you know, talk at a mere fashion. Maybe go see Maybe some of the, the, one of these conventions the too. big locations. Yeah, exactly. So who knows one of these days when they get a booth at, you know, at uh, rapid and, you know, have a conversation with people, but y'all, I thank you. You turn it over champ. Y'all have a good one. Uh, yeah, I always, you know, very similar, uh, feel as a very, very appreciative, nice, nice to have a platform. So I'm also appreciative to Nick and. And, and Ed, even though he's not here, he's, he's also very much so a, a big contributor. So it's it's nice. It's always it's always feel good. Um, so at, at the end of the day, I do kind of want to, to, to make sure that we do continue pushing the main focus of, you know, technology and understanding and, and printing, getting printers in, you know, the hands mm -hmm. of more people, not even just that, the classrooms and things like that. So, yeah. like, always, 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 if you have a question, how can I get pr started printing? How can I get a hold of a printer? Uh, maybe I'm having a tougher time, or how how can I get a hold of what's printing? And uh, you know, nothing's sticking. I have problems, things like that. Reach out to us. You could always go to us on on. We have uh, Facebook, we have Instagram, we have. Um, we also have the blog too. Is it Twitter too? We have Twitter. Twitter. Oh, sorry, X. <laughs> well, my bad. Yeah, don't, don't. Yeah, listen, liability. <laughs> yeah. But no, but but come, come, talk to us. Like at the end send of the us, day, send us emails. Yeah, emails. Um, yeah, great. We got the blog. Um, so blog.vulcanart.com. We'll probably hopefully yeah. be adding more stuff out there later. Yeah. Um. So. But yeah, keep 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 trying to reach out to us because at the end of the day, the only thing that we're trying to do is help people. Um. And and honestly. It helps us to help you, so so reach out. Um, uh, stay tuned. There's a lot of a lot of things coming through, and um, you know, as always, we appreciate you guys. All right, y'all. Have a good one. Thanks. That's all for this episode of Tech at Lunch. Thanks for tuning in and joining us for this tech-filled lunch break. 
We hope you enjoy the show, and don't forget to subscribe on all channels. And also, you can find us on YouTube under Volcanar Technology Solutions. And join us for our next episode, which gets published every Wednesday at 8 a.m. All right, y'all. Have a good one. See you later.